You're listening to the Sketchnote Army podcast. I'm your host, Mike Rohde, the author of the Sketchnote Handbook and the Sketchnote Workbook. And this is the podcast where I chat with sketchnoters and visual thinkers and try to understand what makes them tick. This episode of the Sketchnote Army podcast is brought to you by Concepts, an infinite canvas sketching app built for tablets with a stylus, like the iPad Pro, Microsoft Surface, and Samsung Galaxy Tab. Concepts Infinite Canvas lets you spread out and sketch in any direction. Draw and take notes with liquid pens, markers, and brushes in your favorite Copic designer colors. Everything you draw in Concepts is a flexible vector, so you can move your notes around the canvas or change their color, tool, or size with a simple gesture. Drag and drop images onto the canvas and use layers and grids to organize your creative space. When you're ready to share, export straight to your friends or team. Search Concepts in your favorite app store for infinite, flexible sketching. In this episode, I talk with compulsive sketchnoter and designer Rasagi Sharma from India. Learn how Rasagi came into design and sketchnoting from computer science, coding, and engineering. Hear him talk about the hard work of improving his handwriting and how that led him into his sketchnoting practice. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. Hey everyone, this is Mike. I am here with Rasagya Sharma. Rasagya, welcome to the Sketchnote Army podcast. Thanks a lot, Mike. I'm really excited. I'm really excited to have you. Um, you have some work in some of my books. You've been uh, on Sketchnote Army. We've crossed paths for a long time online. But this is actually the first time that we've chatted in person, and it's so good to chat with you and to hear your story and how how you see sketchnoting happening in India. I would This is really fascinating to me. So welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Thanks, Mike. Yeah, so my name is Rasagya. I'm a principal designer at Kaminer, where I've been focused on doing data visualization. And uh, apart from that, I call myself a compulsive sketchnoter. I think <laughs> over the years, it's really become like a compulsive habit to have some form of note-taking always ready for me. Um, and I also love to do a bit of data art on the side. So I think I try and dabble across these three things. And that's really what I've been doing these days. Hmm. Well, that's really great to hear. Um, tell us a little bit about your origin story. How did you stumble into this visualization, sketchnoting space? Like, the, have you always been doing it? Did you come to it for, from a different place? Tell us that story. Sure. So I think the sort of typical story that I've heard and even on a lot of the podcast you know, episodes is of a creative who didn't get a chance to explore their creative side and then they discovered sketchnoting and they loved it. Um, I might seem like the opposite. I, I grew up loving writing code and you know, I really thought that that's going to be what my life will be. And apart from, I think, one or two summer sort of vacation art courses, I didn't really do any art per se or didn't do doodling during classes or some of those typical signs that you were a creative person. Mm -hmm. um, and so I logically went for a bachelor's in engineering. And it's I think then that I really realized that the people who were graduating from uh, the school were ending up doing things that felt really monotonous. And I realized a little later that why I, what I enjoyed in writing code was doing problem solving or trying to do new things. Mm. And I think that that sort of sparked uh, a curiosity to try and see what else could I do, which still has this element of making things. And I logically just sort of fell into design. Um, and I 
sort of moved all my computer science courses a bit more into UX or what it was called as human computer interaction back then. So it was mm-hmm. fairly easy for me to transition that way. Uh, and that's really what got me started into design. Now, there were two very interesting things that happened while I was finishing my engineering school, uh, trying to sort of pretend to be a designer, go up to internships and I suppose to write code and tell them, no, you actually need a designer. Here's what I can do. <laughs> and I, I realized there were two things. One, um, I had a terrible handwriting. And that I think I blame with these ballpoint pens that I picked up when I was in school, which were a bit too smooth. So I would try and really rush through writing, right? And I think mm-hmm. they really sort of made my handwriting terrible. And uh, there were times when they would just look like scribbles and not really actual words that were legible. Um, and I, I had this moment um, around the time when I was just sort of trying to call myself a designer that nobody would believe that I'm a designer when they'd mm-hmm. see my handwriting. So I was like, I, I can see people who do gorgeous typography, beautiful lettering. And here I am with these sort of doctor-like scribbles as the stereotype goes of doctors and writings. And I was like, I need to do something to improve this. And then the second thing that I noticed was that during my engineering school, I was mostly sitting through lectures that I wasn't really interested in. And it really impacted my attention span in some way. And I think I started losing interest in these sort of long sessions or conversations. I think that was another thing. How do I stay focused in a, a talk, in an event, mm. in a conversation? Um, and I think these two were really the triggers for me to get into sketch noting. Um, mm. That was around the time when I stumbled on Eva Lotalam's Flickr um, yeah. account. And that just sort of blew me away. And <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, this is so amazing. And I, I remember like downloading uh, these tools that would download the whole Flickr album just so that I don't have to rely on the inter- sort of spotty internet and just sort of download her album and keep looking at it again and again on my own free time just mm-hmm. to understand what she's doing. I think that was really inspiring. That really caught my eye into what I could do. And I think I also started frequently reading the Sketchnote Army blog. And yeah, I think that's just how it started. I went for events uh, when I sort of finished my sort of school. I went for a first job as a designer. I was the only designer in a big company. So I was really trying to network outside, going to small meetups, going to events, and then all of those carrying a small notebook in my hand, trying to do some sort of sketch notes. So I, I think I'm very proud still of the first two that I did and you posted them on Sketch Note Army. And that really made me feel happy because I thought that I was just sort of scribbling, but there was some value of what I was doing. And I think that's how I got started. Yeah. Hmm. Really, that's a really great story. I'm sure Eva Lada will be really happy to hear that you studied her work meticulously. Well, many have. <laughs> She's amazing. So yeah. it's no surprise whatsoever that you would study that work. And it, it's really great to hear sort of where you came from and that you came from coding. So you probably have some secret weapons up your sleeve if you need them, right? Like you could probably dabble in the code and do some development work you know, if you needed to. And it's kind of, it it probably is not a bad thing to think structurally. Tell me a little Mm. bit if all the training that you did as a developer helped you think structurally and how does that help you structure or think about hierarchies and and those kind of things when you lay out your sketch notes? Is there any kind of uh, correlation between those two? I think there's a massive correlation. I So after I finished my engineering, I think I worked as a designer and then I also went to design school to do my master's. Mm. And uh, even though I spent two years there, I think I still see a lot of impact of my sort of obsession with code and sort of clean systems or hierarchy, or I think just trying to make a very straightforward, minimal layout, Um, which is why I think even the work that I do right now is 
fairly structured, or at least for the first few years of my sketch noting, it was pretty much like a rigid layout. And um, I think I started realizing that I was unconsciously doing it when I started seeing a lot more variety of work, especially a lot of graphic recording. So I think I still am in awe with how people make fluid layouts um, while they sketch note. Because in my case, I I love like a Japanese style go vertically all the way down mm-hmm. and I somehow mm-hmm. have that that love for it I think it might also be because during the early years when I was building taste for sketchnoting I think I was really seeing a lot of your work a lot of Eva Lotham, uh, Lamb's work and so I think in your work especially I remember this sort of justified feeling of text um, mm-hmm. so you know really long columns of text really well neatly packed I thought that was amazing so I think that's the times when I've picked up those styles has been a reflection of, I think, the engineer in me trying to love the grid, the order. And I yeah. think uh, when I went to design school, I also saw that there is an appreciation of the sort of Swiss graphic style, you know, this obsession of uh, objectivity and rationality. Um, so I think I still stick with a bit more of that. There are only a few times when I push myself to try and be very organic. I still feel very uncomfortable when I do that, um, mm. but I'm trying to, I think, break out of my obsession with grids when I sketch notes sometimes. Interesting. And I think, you know, too, that if you, even if you follow an organic flow, like there can still be structure underneath it um, and grids, right. They maybe are just not as apparent, but um, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting. I think my interest as a t- in typography and design has helped, of course, my sketch noting. And things like you, you notice a little detail, like never having a, a line length that's too long. Because in typography, you have to be careful about your line lengths if they're too long. So there's a whole proportional thing yeah. as a typographer that you need to think about, which is how big is my typeface? How far are the lines away from each other, the letting mm-hmm. uh, yeah. from one line to the next? And then how long is the string of letters? Because the problem yeah. is, is if, you're, if your text is too small and your string of letters is too wide you'll lose track of where you are on that. Right. And then you, then you got to keep resetting all the time. So you have to be yeah. really careful about that. That balance is really tricky and it's totally unknown to a reader. Like the reader just knows mm. that, man, I'm having a really hard time reading this book. But the reality yeah. is the typographer used a typeface that was either too small or the design of the typeface made it hard to read in long line lengths in that combination yeah. of things. If you didn't pay attention gets you in trouble. And I think that totally applies to sketch noting too, right? Mm. Uh, writing really small and long line lengths, you can sort of lose where, where that line goes. So it's really yeah. fascinating to me just how people's backgrounds influences, uh, and it shouldn't be a surprise, how people's background influence the way they look at sketch noting and the way they approach it. And I would think that the methodical nature of which you're following comes from that coding nature. And there's, yeah. I think, in old school coding, especially my... Um, I was not much of a coder, but my dad took some coding and he always mm-hmm. talked about the love, like old coders, when you had no space to work with, like there was a, almost a beauty in coding in really compact ways. Like, yeah. how can I take three lines and make it two? How can I make <laughs> two lines and make it one? How yeah. many, how many, uh, operators can I pull out of this line and maybe fold it into a single one? Or, you know, like there's always this move to simplify, which, I think aligns with sketchnoting too, right? We're taking these complex ideas and trying to simplify and understand and process. So it's there are some parallels for sure. For sure, yeah. And I definitely love some of these approaches, like using icons, for example, is somewhat a more efficient way to convey information in a lesser mm-hmm. space than writing like a whole description for it. 
um, and even some techniques or tricks that we might use with just the lettering that we do. Like there are times when I would use a term like eyes, but in the ease of the eyes, I would make an eye, right? And those are yeah. just like silly, quirky things that you're doing to sort of add in or pack in a bit more information than you would usually do in a text, yeah. um, which makes it interesting. But also, I think that whole idea of trying to see what all could be most efficiently communicated, I think that definitely comes from programming. Yeah. Hmm. So there's two things I want to talk to you now a little bit about. One is uh, your teaching of sketch notes in, in, in India, in, uh, you're in Bangalore. So, and the other is, what is the what is the sketchnoting um, community like in India? I mean, obviously, you can only re- maybe speak to the area you're in, but you probably have an eye on people's work and see what's happening. Like, give me the pulse of, like, first, what is the, what's the culture and community around sketchnoting like in India? And then talk a little bit about your training and teaching, which sort of builds that community, right, if you think of it that way. Sure, yeah. So I think um, in terms of the community, when I started sketchnoting, I thought that I was one of the only ones who was doing it, right? Uh, and that's, that's clearly the, the bubble that you start off in because mm-hmm. you probably don't have access to people who are posting this stuff online. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that was the only way I would find out about them. Um, I think much later, I started realizing there were people who've been doing this for years and years in some variation or the other, right? Um, one thing that I got really excited about was this field of graphic facilitation, for me, sketchnoting was always this side hobby that you do when you go mm-hmm. to conferences um, mm-hmm. for fun. But it suddenly sort of blew my mind when I saw people were doing this full time and not just as a sketchnote per se, but really facilitating conversations or doing it at yeah. large canvas as a graphic recorder. Um, so that I think was great. Uh, I found out about this through a community called the Graphic Facilitation India community. So oh, okay. GFCI, which I think was done by a few folks um, really small, tightly knit community, uh, but really interesting set of people, I think, uh, doing this. The other thing that I feel um, sort of became common was a lot of us sharing these um, at conferences and some conferences started becoming known for featuring sketch notes. So there was a design conference called Curious, which Hmm. I think a few years back started sort of doing these features on their blogs of sketch noters. Right, um, which is a mix of people who actually do sketch noting, similar to what you sort of define sketch noting as, and a few mm-hmm. who would do, who would do illustrative notes um, mm. or um, were sort of sketching in their notebooks. Right, and I'm making slight distinction there because not all of them were doing this live during the session, which I is see. somewhat how I pedantically sort of put sketch notes as. Uh, but a lot of people were sort of thinking about things and sketch noting them, um, or some of them were listening to ideas, taking a breather, and then sort of illustrating them. So I, I could see some of those connections. They all felt in a similar bucket. So I, I saw a lot of those start getting featured at Curious. And I spoke at a conference called Design Up. And I really loved the experience. So I ended up volunteering for them in the subsequent years. And one thing that we did for that conference, so while I was speaking, I was also sketchnoting on, in my notebook you know, for the other talks uh, that mm-hmm. were happening. So the organizers loved it. And so the next year, uh, not only did I sketch note, I also started this sort of uh, design up um, scholarship per se, which which really meant that we would get people to come attend. So we would fly in people, you know, pay all the accommodation, et cetera, and yeah. get them to sketch note for the conference or write an article for the conference. So we tried to basically do two of these. And we really looked at people who would be early in the sketch note journey, maybe just sort of getting into this uh, or just want this sort of a platform to show 
uh, what they can do. So that was, I think, a lot of fun. Um, I had a lot of fun doing that in the first year. Um, and uh, in, in, I think in the first year, I was also um, sort of doing this on a bigger canvas. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ben Crothers was there doing a workshop as well. Oh, and so it became super fun because uh, the next day, Ben and I both sort of did tandem scribing, sort of standing next to each other with a big whiteboard, both of us sort of doodling together. So uh, I think some of that kind of helped um, at least grow awareness from the little that I understand. So I think doing graphic recording, I think, has been more influential at conferences mm. than sketchnoting in my small notebook, which I've been doing for a few years, because those sketchnotes would only be seen by a few people on Twitter. Right, I uh, that I that follow me. Whereas graphic recording meant that every other person would be like, "What is this guy doodling <laughs> or drawing?" That right? they would come close and they would realize this is a summary of what's happening. That yeah. would get them excited about it. In fact, one sort of success story of this was um, at one of the designer conferences. There was a product manager who was attending the conference, and she saw me doing this on the big canvas. She got mm-hmm. interested. She asked me, "What is this?" I told her, "This is sketch noting." And I don't think we had a longer chat after that. That's that's all. She picked it up and uh, she ended up practicing, building up her practice hmm. to get so good at it. So next year we had her as a scholar to sketch note for the conference. And uh, she started doing so much of amazing illustration work. She teaches now um, sort of sketching and sketch noting. She's also been uh, sort of doodling or sketch noting for other events. So it's, it's just, I think, a spark that you see and it can sort of get more people motivated to do this. Yeah. So, I think that's how the Indian community has been. It's mostly been a bunch of folks um, that have been publicly posting stuff that are on the forefront mm-hmm. just in terms of visibility. And then there is this huge set of people who've been doing graphic recording, uh, you know, graphic facilitation for several years. Um, they may not be as active in, I think, putting stuff on social media, mm-hmm. but uh, that, that definitely is there. And I think then there is the last set of people who are artists, designers, I think, who've been doing sort of having a sketch noting or a sketchbook as a habit, and they've been mixing some elements of sketch noting during conversations mm. uh, or sort of retroactively sketching this, which I think is also great. And over the years, I think with Instagram being really popular, Twitter being really popular, I think it's now become much more common. So you, you now expect at least one person in an Indian conference to be sketch noting, uh, mm. at least, right? And there is also, there's also, I think, an understanding of this whole idea, this whole thing of ideas, not art, that you sort of made really popular, right? So mm-hmm. I see a lot of people not feeling shy of sharing their sketch notes, even if they may not look very beautiful, because they've started realizing the value of sharing um, ideas or notes, even if they're not looking very pretty per se, right? So I think um, that's been definitely getting better and better over the years. Yeah, that's that all sounds really great, and it's interesting that you that there's sort of an in- impact on social media, but then there's the in-person impact that graphic recording or facilitation, you know, you see somebody doing it live and they're not in the back of the room, they're in the front of the room on a big yeah. board or like in the case when you and Ben were doing it together, like it becomes in a lot of ways a performance, yeah. Um, right? So there's some attraction to that and you wonder what it is. And I, I really love the story of the product manager who maybe had been, you know, it sounds like maybe she had been drawing for a long time she maybe sort of did this, but didn't, yeah. didn't know what to... I've heard this so many times. I've been doing this for years. I never knew what to call it. Thank you for giving it a name, right? Like, yeah. if if that's all I'm able to do, that's great. Because once you give it a name, you can now channel your energies toward the thing and really focus on it, which it sounds like this woman is now doing, yeah. um, which is really great, right? It's it's like this uh, this uh, untapped talent that, you know, this, that one little spark was to see it and 
be told that it's a thing. This is a thing. I can do this thing. Let me try yeah. it. And then next year she's back doing it for the for the conference. And I think yeah. finally it's really encouraging that it's sort of really common. I'm seeing this too in conferences where someone is typically sketchnoting it and sharing it uh, cool. online. So that seems to be more and more common. Not I wouldn't say every conference, but more and more are, which is really encouraging because like you said, people are much more focused on capturing the ideas and sharing them. And it just opens up the discussion, which is really the the goal of it is to talk about what does this mean? How can I apply this? Is this useful for me? Right. That's if those questions are being asked, that's really good. And I would think that uh, conference organizers love that, right? Because it makes the content that they work so hard for Mm. live on beyond just this moment in time. People are thinking about it going forward. So that's really, really super encouraging. Yeah. I think it's definitely like, I found it to be really valuable for, um, some specific kind of con- conferences, like conferences mm-hmm. that have multiple tracks, for example. Uh, this works really well if you have someone who's doing some of these sketch noting and sharing those live from one track because you know that you're going to miss the other track. So I think right. at Designer, for example, we had three sketch noters as part of the sort of scholarship program. So all of three of us are splitting ourselves so that there is some interesting summaries coming from each of the tracks that are happening parallelly. Right? So that really sort of reduce the FOMO of sorts for right, some of the yeah. people who are missing out on what's happening in the other session. Um, and I've also seen that, um, so I did some gigs for corporate events like closed door, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're going to invite some really, you know, nice speakers who are going to share their vision, blah, blah, blah. So some sort of um, conversations that are high impact, but the audience may not always be connected with that conversation. So I think mm-hmm. they were concerned that their team that's going to be internally attending it may not be as invested in hearing everything. And I think over there, what we did was I was sketchnoting and then printing it on a larger canvas. Hmm. Um, and that also really worked well. So in tea breaks, people would just sort of refresh their memory of what they were listening by just seeing the sketch notes. So I think hmm. uh, I definitely see sketch notes hitting the sweet spot between long bullet point summaries of a talk, which most people would just skim through and not remember. And really long videos, which is pretty much what was done at the talk, which is, I think, also not everyone is going to invest the same amount of time right. to go back. Yeah, I think Sketchnote does a really good job at that. Yeah, Or maybe with, you know, I always think about a sketchnote is in some ways like a summary. So you could look at the sketchnote. Oh, that looks really interesting. Now I will choose this video to watch, right? It's exactly. sort of an indicator of which one, like, will I invest some time? Oh, that, that idea that they're talking about, I want to learn about that. And then they'll watch the whole video. So it can be a yeah. te- sort of a, an invitation in that sense. I know that you're doing teaching as well. Talk a little bit about your the teaching that you're doing. Are you continuing to do that? And maybe the other thought was, what has the pandemic done to, obviously conferences have changed in India, just like everywhere else. Do you still see, do you still feel like sketchnoting is part of the online events that are happening? Is that still a component that's uh, important to organizers, do you think? Um, I think in terms of the pandemic, it it definitely impacts the sort of performance bit that you mentioned, right? So I think mm-hmm. there is a huge difference between having a graphic recorder stand large canvas in front of you and do some magic as they, yeah. you know, as a talk goes versus somebody silently sitting in a webinar, uh, making some notes and then sharing it later. So I think there's definitely been a difference there. Um, I have seen some folks take this head on and say, we will actually have the, the graphic recorder or the sketch noter live share things on mm. an iPad. I think that's worked fairly well for some folks. Um, there was one 
uh, I mean, the graphic facilitation, one of those uh, workshops that was done by Piyush and uh, I think Noun and Work Team, so some of the folks in India, they also had this nice thing where one person was, um, so Natasha was, I think, uh, sketchnoting while the session was going. And at the end of every session, she would just pull up what she made. And that mm. would just be a quick flash of what just happened in the session. Mm-hmm. So I think in those cases, I've seen some people do this well. I think the bigger issues are probably around making it uh, compensated well. So I think in India, mm. in general, compensation for sketch noting is not as common as it is for some of the other things, right? So I think it still feels slightly eccentric or nice to have and mm-hmm. not really yeah. a must have yet, right? So I think that's slowly changing. Um, I think some of the folks that only do sketch noting or are really focused on doing this are pushing for not doing this pro bono, right? And I think that's... Yeah much needed because you're investing a lot of time and energy. And I think there's definitely some compensation that's needed, but I think it's become harder for free webinars that are happening online to then pay a sketch noter to do it. Right. I think a big conference, which like a thousand dollars tickets or a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars tickets, they can then sort of justify a bus budget. Mm -hmm. I think it's become harder for the webinars industry who are at least doing it for free, really low cost. I think to do this. Yeah. I would imagine in a webinar case, very often webinars are done as a lead into something else, right? So the free webinar, at the Ooh. end, they have a pitch for take our course or yeah. do our thing or use our service. Like that's the real engine that pays for the free webinar, right? Because it has to be paid some way, yeah. right? That yeah. All that time and energy and work leads to something else. So um, it's good to hear that there's sort of a move toward not doing pro bono in the in the more public sense right where you're actually someone's taking time to probably research the speakers understand what their message is probably looking at their decks before they go up on stage potentially right so there's lots of pre-work that people don't think about and then post-work right even if you're doing it live in the in the in the moment there's some period of time where you have to make sure that you didn't have any typos and prepare it and put it up and you know there's some effort being involved right so that's, that's good to hear that. I would love to hear now, like, some of the teaching you're doing. I think you're doing a little bit of teaching, and I don't know how much you're doing, but I would love to hear, if you're doing that, what, what that's like and what the response has been. I've been teaching not sketchnoting per se, but more around data visualization. And mm. um, for me, they both tap into the same ideas, yeah. but I think they still are seen as very different things, right? So I still go back to my alma mater, to my NID, where I did my master's. Um, to teach uh, some form of data visualization, cartography, or sometimes even creative coding. And um, mm. I generally experiment a lot with amongst these. And I also am um, an adjunct at another college called IIT Bombay, where I also tend to go back to teach cartography. Um, so there's mm. all of these things. And I think for me, the central idea is really, we are taking data or information and making them visual, mm-hmm. right? So I think sketchnoting is taking a live stream of data, um, information, conversations, and turning them into visual artifacts. Data visualization is taking sometimes live, sometimes existing data set, and then making it visual. Mm -hmm. And I also find maps to be pretty much data visualization, where you're still taking like geospatial information. Mm -hmm. And we've sometimes done like more personalized map design. So a map of your hometown based on your memories of the hometown. Oh, interesting a tourist map of your hometown that you would want for someone who's never been there. So what would Mm -hmm. you recommend? And I think in all of those cases, people are trying to bring in some element of information, but then trying to find visual elements to this. 
I haven't tried teaching sketch noting um, online yet. I would probably want to give it a shot once I have built a bit more structure. I think in my own practice, mm-hmm. I, and I think I still am. Uh, it, it's been a decade since I've been doing this, but I don't think I've been doing it enough to build like a good structure around it. So I want to take a bit more time to think through how yeah. to teach it well, because I think um, it's one thing to get people to maybe draw simple shapes. But I think the harder thing is to help people understand the first two steps of sketch noting, right? How do you listen actively, mm-hmm. and how do you summarize or prioritize what to pick? Um, mm-hmm. I think the visual bit of converting something into good-looking letters, good-looking icons, etc., is far easier, I think, than the first two. Um, and I'm yet to find, um, I think, good structure for me to teach teach those skills. Mm. So I think that that's really where I am. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fair. I think um, you you, you want to make sure you're teaching properly and giving people tools that they can use, right? So yeah. I think it would be interesting to hear and see when you get to that point what it, what your structure looks like and how you teach it. So that's that's yep. really encouraging, and I'm I'm really glad that you know that you're also teaching this visualization. I think it's really I use it in business all the time. So all the sketch noting skills that I say the same engine that runs my sketch noting work is running visualization. Now I might, it might be hand drawn for me. Um, In some cases I'm taking PowerPoint and doing things that probably is crying about as I'm doing it, but you know, it communicates (laughs) the ideas, right? It's pushing the boundaries or using it in ways that maybe it wasn't imagined to be used. So But all those things are helpful. I think the more visual we can get in business, the more helpful it's going to be to express ideas for more people, right? I think uh, it's just another expression. We're using our full capacity when we do that. So that's completely really yeah. encouraging to hear. I've actually found a lot of value of doing this during the pandemic time. Um, so I work at a service company. So we really work with clients which are spread across. And uh, earlier, we would have really gone into their offices in person to do some collaboration, mm-hmm. workshop, discussions, et cetera. And I think there's this element of uh, both rapport building as well as immersion that happened in person, which was suddenly lost and we started doing this during pandemic, right? And I think um, tools like Miro have worked wonderfully for us. So yes. like we've run every meeting on Miro. And I think there's been some advantage of starting the same skills that I use for sketch noting. I can directly translate to running these design workshops right? Yes. and I'm still actively listening. I'm trying to cut through a lot of content that the, the stakeholder might be saying to narrow down on key aspects, keywords um, that we could put or quotes we could put into the Miro board and also just sort of laying it out visually so that um, it makes sense. So some of these um, templates or sort of structures are pretty much a parallel with sketch noting. So I, I found that to be a great application of, active listening skills that I've built, the prioritization skills that I've built, and also this element of summarizing things visually. And I think at the end of a meeting, everyone leaves with an online sort of documentation of what the meeting was. Why did we do what we do? Um, or, you know, why did we decide on this particular bit? And they can also sort of do some collaborative exercises asynchronously, which I think mm-hmm. also works mm-hmm. fairly well. So it's been great to see that during the pandemic. Yeah. And then you have sort of a document that you can go back to and, oh, that's right, we did this and now I, re- I need to be reminded I can just go back to the Miro board mm. and find the section that I'm thinking about, right? So yeah. it can be a, a good, it's a mapping exercise. And I like I like I said, I think it's sort of like it, the engine that runs all these things is sort of the same engine that you're building and you're making stronger so that when you, if I'm doing sketchnoting, 
my all those those skills are at play when I'm visualizing data sets those same tools are at play when yeah. I'm running a workshop the same now they might express differently or maybe one is leaned on more than another so in Miro you know it's difficult to draw in Miro you can do it with an yeah. iPad Pro with yeah. a pencil but not everybody has that right so you have to sort of take the same concepts and reinterpret them into the tool so right. it's encouraging that you're thinking about it in a lot of the ways that I'm thinking the same way about the sort of central engine that you build over time. And I think that's the real value. It's the way you think and process. I, I would even remark that the way I take notes when I type now is like sketch notes have been even influenced those, right? The way I listen and the way I take notes is I'm not taking verbatim notes. I'm processing and thinking and interpreting. And it's exactly. even helped my writing too, right? Like when I, now I look at words and I think of them as, you know, how, what is this sounding like? So mm. it all sort of ends up coming to the same thing which is your brain (laughs) processing information right in in different ways so that's really encouraging to hear so something i've been doing in the in the pandemic time which you know who knows when this will end um is to ask people who are on the show what are you what's getting you excited what's something you're excited about now because there's so many things that you know if you watch the news long enough you'll find something to be depressed about so we need to counter this with some exciting things so tell me tell me something you're excited about rasage so I think two things. Um, one, uh, I finally picked up an iPad to do sketch noting, mm. and uh, this year my goal is to try and do as much sketch noting using Procreate as possible. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm still fairly slow with it. So I'm definitely seeing a gap between how quickly I could do this on paper and pen yeah. versus on Procreate. I think this whole fear of um, perfection is also sort of creeping in. But I'm really excited about I think honing my skills and sort of mm. bringing everything that I've learned of sketchnoting on paper to procreate in some ways. So not mm. really bothering about doing a lot of undos or moving things around too much because that, that luxury is sometimes um, really, really crippling. So that I think something I'm, I'm really excited about. I've, I think one of the things that made me really get into this was the Scriberian style. Um, mm. And I've always felt that my paper-based sketchnotes are not are not as bold or I cannot use mm. the color the same way. Um, also partially because I'm slightly scared of watercolor. So I've seen some people do like beautiful watercolor based schedules. I, yeah. I, I struggle with that. So I think uh, Procreate has been really easy to do that. So I'm really excited about that. Mm. Um, and then the other thing that I've been trying to do um, has been to do a better job at archiving sketch noting, mm. uh, sketch notes that I've been doing. So one of the things that I've gotten recently interested in is Zettelkasten or this idea of building like a second brain. Um, and thinking about connecting topics and ideas together and having easy access to what you've learned before. Hmm. Um, I generally think I have a terrible memory, which is also why I think I started loving sketchnoting because <laughs> I could remember key things from a talk very easily, right? But um, what I'm not doing enough is going back to what I've sketchnoted uh, and then sort of re- recall and build, build them into my deeper sort of long-term memory. Hmm. So I think hmm. trying to find ways to build that out um, I, I think things like Instagram and Twitter are really in the moment. They work very well yeah. for you know, this conference just happened. Here is a long Twitter thread about what I learned and some sketch notes. Uh, but I think it's not very good at connecting. There was this other UX conference that I attended. There was this other design conference I attended five years back. And this was mm-hmm. a thread that happened there. And I sketch noted it like this. And now you can see that this is what this person is also speaking. So I think after having done this for so long, uh, I'm just realizing that the sketch note should not be left in my notebook. Mm. And I need to find a way to connect them up together. So that's, I think, something that I'm 
experimenting with trying to make mm. my own website and try and tag it meticulously um or trying to use some of these newer note taking platforms to make like a network web out of them so we have to yeah. see where that goes yeah that that's really interesting it's something i've thought about as well like i've got all these years of sketch notes that could be tagged and you know maybe even ocr if possible yeah. so you could do searches on them so yeah if you'll have to keep in touch with us as you find out if you find some tool that works well for you bring the image in you write some description you tag it and then there's some interconnection i cool. bet there's lots of other sketch noters that would love to hear what processes you're exploring because they may have i think there's probably the challenge and now we have these amazing cameras in our phones that can take photos oh. if it's physical right that you yeah. can have good quality photos and then of course yeah if you're using an ipad you've got the ability to export high quality images so exactly. the ability to have so the the big problem at first was how do you get a good image well that problem is solved now yeah. now it's a matter of organizing and structure and then as with any good system like keeping up with it and maintaining it and uh, you know making sure that you don't get too far behind because i guess the problem that we you and me have is having done this for so long like where do you start with 10 or 15 years of sketch notes i guess you start at the beginning but Maybe you, you know, I don't know, there's probably got to be some approach that you take. So that's really good to hear. So I would love to hear, you mentioned earlier in the discussion, you started using these um, cheap ballpoint pens and they were too slippery and they caused you mm. to maybe not have as good a handwriting as you wished. What are the tools you're using these days? Let's start with analog and you've already tipped your hand a little on the, uh, the digital that you're using an iPad. So yeah. I would love to hear first your analog favorite tools and then any other tools besides Procreate that you might be exploring on the iPad. Sure, yeah. I think for a long time I was a no nonsense sort of tool person in, in that I would just pick up what I had easily available and use them, right? Um mm-hmm. it was partially because things like moleskins were so expensive in right. India. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, growing up I've just probably been I don't know, I'm probably a bit of a miser when I'm <laughs> buying some <laughs> stuff like this, right? Um, that kind of changed when I went to design school and I was surrounded by people who sort of normalized obsessing over stationery or mm. holding stationery. So I think over the years now, um, I've gotten more and more into collecting things and sort of holding them for the right moment to sketch note with. So I use a variety of things. Some of them are extremely cheap. Uh, I, I like some of these sign pens. They are really mm. thick pens. Um, they have a very soft nib, but not as soft as a brush pen. Okay. So it still gives me a bit of control uh, to write. And that's what I love to do for headings, dark black thick headings. Mm. So um, those sign pens are extremely cheap. I think they're about 20 rupees, which is less than a dollar, less than half a dollar or one mm. third of a dollar. Okay. So, you know, not cheap in, in getting it. Um, and they have like ink, which is also, it's kind of feels very nice when, when mm. you write it. And uh, sometimes I tend to use... Um, very simple uh, sketch pens that are there for or simple highlighters that you would get off the shelf highlighters for some additional things. But um, there are some special pens that I've also enjoyed. There is some Muji pens that I've loved a lot. So there are these uh, Muji 0.7 uh, liners, which uh, just give a very good feel. And one of them is a blue black color. So mm. I, I quite liked it because the color was not blue or black, but was yeah. somewhere in the and I, I just thought that was that looked really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I have also sometimes used these micron pens, um, mm-hmm. and there was a small phase where I was trying to do more of illustration or sort of icon-based work. So yeah. the micron's thin pens were working really well for that. Um, 
and i i have very occasionally tried to pick up some of those uh, kurutake's brush pens mm-hmm. um and uh, slowly trying to get a hang of it my wife does much better brush lettering mm. so she she's picked it up i think over the pandemic and over the last two years uh, brush lettering a lot more i'm trying to slowly get into those with kurutake pens i think that's the kurutake and the zig pens i think are the mm. two that we we have a lot Okay. Uh, and those are the ones that I tend to use on paper. Yeah, I still haven't built, I think, a good understanding of what um, a good sketch noting paper is yet. Mm. Um, so I think I'm still on the. I generally find decent notebooks, uh, sort of like moleskin-ish notebooks that you can yeah. get in India, uh, and those are generally my go-to uh, okay. places to buy. I think I've been more obsessed of formats and trying out different shapes of uh, notebooks. Uh, but i haven't yet figured out um what sort of a gsn paper what sort of smoothness mm. do i really like i think i've been slightly naive in that in, in that area i probably need to build a bit more taste interesting <laughs> for, for yeah. That, yeah well and that reminds me of i was just thinking about eva lada she talked about how she came up with her notebooks so she tends when she did it analog i think she does a lot more on ipad but i'm sure yeah. she does analog she found a square notebook at a conference she was at it was spiral bound it was square it was a certain size mm. and the paper was nice and she mm. started using it and she like at the conference she was like she looked around and all these people had left them under her, their chairs so she was like over there like scooping them up at the end of <laughs> at the end of the conference and then she she started like running out of those the ones that she the leftovers right. she's like she and i think the story was she called the or emailed the conference organizer and said Hey, where, where did you get these books made? And then she found the factory and they made her like she made custom covers. So she's got like a lifetime supply of these favorite books in her in her flat in Berlin or something, something like that. So <laughs> it's it's kind of interesting, like when you when you really find the right um, substance, like you just want to you don't want to mess yeah. around anymore. Right. Okay. So it sounds like you have some experimentation in your future with paper and your materials mm. to see like you know, which ones feather, which ones bleed, which paper exactly. do I like it toothy or smooth or white mm-hmm. or cream? Like, and maybe, maybe in your future is, uh, like, uh, Eva Lada may, maybe making your own notebook <laughs> to suit your <laughs> needs. Right. <laughs> yeah. That I think would be amazing to do. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Fun little project. Now, what about your iPad pro? You said you use procreate, which is super popular, great tool. Are there any certain brushes in that tool that you like, um, that you typically use? And, uh, and then are there any other tools that you use on the iPad? Maybe not specific, specifically for sketchnoting, but maybe for your infographic work. Um, sure. So I think in, in terms of brushes, I haven't yet picked up a lot of custom brushes. So again, mm. that's something that I, um, in the first few months of sort of 2021, uh, when I just started doing um, Procreate stuff, uh, I have still stuck with what comes out of the box. Um, and then trying to slowly customize them. So some of those Syrup Studio Pen, those brushes, I think have worked fairly well for me. Okay. Um, and I think I'm slowly getting to the habit of trying to understand um, custom brushes that people have done for um, these um, rough textures that come into yeah. Procreate very well. Right? I think that's something that I'm missing from the default brush library. I wish I had like these three brushes are what I love, but I think I haven't yet caught into the, those levels yet maybe by the end of this year i should have like a, a cleaner list of brushes mm-hmm. or maybe some of my custom brushes i've been mm-hmm. playing around because you know I, I could do some stuff on photoshop or sketch on my mac and then make some of these things and try out some of the special based things i'm slowly getting there i haven't yet gotten into a very mm-hmm. good um, 
custom brush library yet. Sorry mm. for that disappointing answer. No, that's okay. I think um, I think it's wise of you. I would say for people listening who are maybe also just getting an iPad and starting with something like Procreate is to really, I, my, my advice is limit your tools, pick some tools and use them for a while, you know, yeah. and really feel like, does this work? Oh yeah, this works. I wish it did this little thing and maybe you can tweak it. Or maybe as you search around, like, oh, that, that person took that brush that I like and they did exactly what I want. So you buy that one and you put it in and find out if it works. And maybe you, I mean, you can tweak those things and Procreate, which is kind of cool. And then make your own custom brushes. I know the other advice that I'll give from my friend Rob DeMio, which I've given before, is he said that Mm -hmm. he took a weekend where he just sat down and in Procreate, he defined what his page size was that he would use. He defined what what markers and pens and such will like, and he sort of narrowed it to his own set and like got them just right. And then he built like a, you know, a common color palette that he would always use. And of course, that would vary based on projects, but... Yeah. He said that really helped him to sort of, because the the great thing and the terrible thing about Procreate is it's so many options, right? And you can be paralyzed exactly. by those yeah. options. So you almost have to like artificially put constraints on that so that you can actually do do the work. So it sounds like that's yeah. what you're doing. That's exactly the, thing, the advice that I also had gotten when I was trying to get into this, because a lot of people had seen me do this on paper and enjoy it. And they were like, once you're going to go into Procreate, you're going to go mad trying each and every different brush, right? And you don't want to do that in the middle of a sketch note. So no. you just don't have the time for that. So I think uh, I've, that's why I've been trying to just stick with a few brushes, practice, practice a lot. Uh, I've started feeling a bit about where they don't work. And I think I'll start exploring new mm-hmm. and new custom brushes once I, you know, I'm done with those. Yeah. I imagine there's some future, and I don't know if you're using it professionally now, but like maybe you're using paper and then there's sort of a crossover. Like when, when the Procreate gets good enough and there's they're close enough then you flip over and now you start using procreate as your primary or equally with paper right so there's probably some crossover and i think it's a lot more about internally feeling right about it Mm. uh, knowing when that when do i feel like okay and maybe maybe i'll do some obscure thing where no one's expecting anything i'm gonna force myself to use procreate and try it right and if it goes badly nobody knew i was doing it i'm not being paid for it no one's expecting anything from me so you can sort of do it in that setting and then like, oh, this worked, this didn't work. All right, let's try it again. And then when you feel pretty good, now you can publicly like turn it on. I think that can be really helpful. And I, I just feel like, you know, if you put too many cognitive loads on yourself, it, it just sort of makes it more challenging. And there's often no reason for it if you can slowly work your way to that point. And sometimes you just need to jump in. Maybe you just force yourself. I know I've done that before. I just force myself to do something and you know see yeah, what happens and just be okay with the with the result whether it's good or bad mm-hmm. like you know it's sometimes that's okay too yeah completely agree and that's what i'm trying to do with procreate let's see how it goes mm, good good so what i love to do is ask guests on the show for three tips and the way i frame this is imagine there's someone listening they're into sketch noting visualization they've been doing it they're excited about it but they feel maybe they've hit a plateau and they just need Rasagya, they need your encouragement in some way. What are three tips you would give them? And it can be super practical things like bring us bring an extra pencil <laughs> or it could be <laughs> philosophical things, right? What would be three things you would tell that person? Sure. I think I would start off by the first and the most important advice for all creators, which is I think from an era class interview about the gap uh, between what creatives build taste for versus what they're able to create, right? And I think... Mm. Um, 
that is the most important thing for everyone, not just whether you're starting off or even when you've spent a few years doing it. I think um, one of the things that we all share in common is that we have built good taste by seeing what is a good sketch note, right? And we've followed a few artists and we've loved the finesse, the, the way they communicate complex ideas into really interesting illustration, et cetera. But when we start doing it on our own, you know, we suck. And <laughs> I've seen so many people who, who've come up to me and said, you know, I started doing this, but it is nowhere close to the one that I've seen of, say, Mike, or, you know, I've seen these people, or I've seen yours. And I've reminded them by directly showing my first sketch note. And I think mm-hmm. that's probably why I hold that sketch note really dear, because it is terrible. Uh, I think I, I look at it and I'm like, what did, did I do this? <laughs> uh, but then there's also this moment of pride, right? Like, that's how I started. And, you know, yeah. over the years, I've built different styles of writing. So I still have my terrible handwriting, which I can get back to if I'm not thinking too much. Yeah. But yeah. now at least I have a bunch of different ways to just write. Like you've, you've given like different ways of handwriting that you can build on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think some of those take time. Um, and I think just being conscious of the gap that exists, it is there for every creative. Everyone mm-hmm. starts with a high taste, but bad execution. And it takes years to get there. So I think that it's definitely the first step. Be kind to yourself for that. Yeah, yeah. I think second tip that I would love for people to remember, especially in the sort of social media field age, is to sketch note for yourself mm-hmm. and not for others. Um, and I think I learned this a bit hard way. There was this moment when I sort of post- started posting this actively on Instagram and I fell into the trap of really closely following are people engaging? Are they liking? You know, yes. is this work well or not? You know, am I tweeting and getting the right amount of art, you know, retweets, etc.? Um, and I think... Uh, I, I basically just felt that I was obsessing a bit too much about it than I mm. need to. Um, and I, I literally just left Instagram for, I think, two years. Um, mm. And I haven't wow. actively posted on Instagram, but I've still stuck with Twitter, where I think the, the liking or the, the sort of vanity metrics aren't as crazy, I think, um, as it felt on Instagram. But it took me a while to really realize that I like sketchnoting, not for sharing it with other people mm. or you know getting a lot of eyeballs on it it's for yeah. myself and that's i think why i call myself compulsive sketch note for me now i enjoy this sort of feeling or the need from within to sketch note during a session mm. um and so i think just remembering that you're not so unless you're doing graphic facilitation or graphic recording where right. you're probably doing it for other people you want them to consume it as part of a contract right if you're sketch noting i feel it to be a bit more personal and i think being proud of what you're creating if it is helping you understand, that's that's perfect. You don't need to worry about mm-hmm. other people not making sense of it or judging you based on X, Y, Z reasons. And I think we are sometimes our worst critique. So yeah, I remembering agree. to sort of tune that down and just do it for yourself works really well. Uh, and I think the third tip that I would love to give is just finding your tribe. I think mm-hmm. I did a, a mistake of not trying to actively find more people who do sketch noting in my initial years. And that sort of off is this worth sharing is this something that people will laugh because it's not as good as what lettering i'm seeing um sort of crept in knowing that we could um we were surrounded by more people who are doing the same kind of things uh, works really well and i think for me this worked really well because i joined a sketch note out loud community that was the mm. first sort of similar group that was being done a bunch of folks in germany and uh, i think a few others as well that just was a very welcoming community. I think that was the time when I was I was leaving Instagram and just not bothering about it. I think that gave me the sort of confidence in what I was doing, which was much needed. Um, it also pushed me to reflect a bit more on what I'm doing. So I think from those angles, just finding a few more folks online, in person, where you can 
uh, without any sort of constraint share it and i think now i've just been recommending people to go to the sketch.army slack for example mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and you know, just share whatever you feel like hear what people are saying uh, to get better at it i think those would be the three things mm. those are three wonderful tips i thank you so much i agree with every one of them wholeheartedly <laughs> so thank you for that and um well, this has been really a fun discussion, Rasagya. Tell us how you, we can find you. Where can we go to find you? It sounds like you're on Twitter, uh, maybe back on Instagram. Maybe you've got a website. Yeah. Tell us where, where can we find you? Perfect. So I'm definitely best place to find me is on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to pair sketch notes with longer threads explaining what I was mm-hmm. seeing, or what, which might not be as evident from the sketch note. So that's my favorite medium of writing. Um, the experiment that I said about documenting is what I'm doing on my website. And I think that should be filling with more sketch notes by the time, you know, you're mm. hearing this. And um, Instagram is something that I sporadically post on. Mm. I'm slowly trying to build, I think, a habit now of trying to be more proactive in posting or if not posting, featuring other sketch noters. Mm. And I think I've also found that um, there are a bunch of people who are doing crazy, you know, really good illustration work or really good sketch noting work at live sessions. So just using sort of Instagram as a way to promote them is something that I've been mm. actively doing. So yeah, that's the mm. three areas to find me. And so how, what, um, what is your handle on Twitter and your website? Uh, domain? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Twitter is at Rasagya, um, R-A-S-A-G-Y. Okay. Um, Instagram is at Rasagya.Sharma and um, website is Rasagya.in. Okay. Gotcha. And we'll, we'll make sure we'll find those, put those in the show notes for people. I'm really yep. curious personally about uh, what you're doing with, I imagine, a tool like Notion or some other mm. tool, these, you know, interlinking. It's almost like a web inside the web tool, yeah. like a documentation tool. I would love to see what you're cooking up with that because I am i don't even know where to begin in uh, organizing my stuff. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, the problem of having so much, where do you begin? But you have to start somewhere. And I think yeah. having the right, if you can nail the tool and the way that it works and make it as frictionless as possible, I think that's a huge step forward to say, oh, well, I'm going to go take this book and take pictures and put it in there and tag it, right? Like, because it's going to be work. Or maybe you just say from today forward, everything starts getting put in there. And then as I have time, I can go back and add old things if I find them relevant, right? So that might be, like for someone like me, a way to just begin, right? Because I think the biggest problem there is just beginning. Because if you never begin... Nothing will ever get into the system, right? So that's that's yeah. a bit of the challenge. So I would yeah, love I to be, you know, keep up on what you're doing there. For sure, yeah. I think it does require a bit of a mindset shift, mm-hmm. similar to how sketch noting is different from note taking, sort of like verbatim note taking or mm-hmm. illustration, right? And I think there's this middle ground. I think I'm, I'm realizing the same struggles, and I'm trying to document this. And there are some newer techniques um, like Rome Research, Obsidian, yes. which are these new age sort of note taking interconnected. Mm-hmm. Tools. Notion now has backlinking, which is fairly good to connect mm-hmm. things back together as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't yet cracked which is the best for me to do. So I think my first mm-hmm. impulse is being just to put everything in a well-tagged repository online, which is hosted on on my own terms, not mm-hmm. based on Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter, or anything else. Where it's right. not as hard to find things. And I think I want to get into sort of visually connecting things like a network graph. But let's see, I think I'm... That's probably going to take a bit of time if I'm going to try yeah. and do this on my own. So yeah, yeah, let's see. That sounds really great. So watch watch his space for ideas <laughs> around that. If that if that also you know get piques your interest. So thank you, Rasagi, for being on the show. It's been really great to have you. And for those listening to the podcast, this will wrap another episode. 
And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Sketchnet Army podcast. Thanks a lot, Mike, for having me. You're so welcome. Take care, everyone. The Sketchnote Army podcast was created by me, Mike Rohde, and brought to you by Rohde Design Studios. It's produced and edited by Alec Polianis of Amp Creative Studios. The theme music was created by John Schiedemeyer. To support the creation of this show, I invite you to buy one of my books, The Sketchnote Handbook or The Sketchnote Workbook. You can find the books on Amazon or go to peachpit.com and use the code RODI40 for 40% off. Please share this podcast with other visual thinking friends and be sure to leave a nice rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast listening app so others can find the show.